0: Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don, where Pastor Don answers all of your questions from theology, parenting, and whether he can tell
1: if you're sleeping in church. Enjoy. Please like and subscribe.
0: Well, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. It's getting to be that uh, harvest time of year, so hard at uh, you know replacing different oils and fluids getting everything ready to go in the combine tractors and all that stuff i should have done a long time ago
1: but so combines in the field on highway One.
0: Oh yeah oh yeah there's a lot of people there we know that we're gonna probably start on monday we think um we had some later corn that we planted or longer longer life corn so we we'll start a little bit later so if i look a little greasy this morning it's because i was out there changing some oils and definitely got a bath of it this morning that went right down my feel like it's still in this ear a little bit i don't know i tried to clean it out but it still felt it still just feels like there's a little bit of a i don't
1: know okay yeah Yeah.
0: so we had that harvest blessing last sunday yeah that was so much fun um
1: you did a good job
0: well you did too it was a lot it was interesting to figure out how we were going to get all that together and then all the songs singing and like all the favorite hymns you know it really brought me back. It's like every every one of the hymns that we sung, well, except for maybe two where it's like when I come to church, if I see that song in the bulletin, I'm like, yeah, good. I like that one because they always just sound so great here, and I pick out everybody's voice and sounds so
1: awesome. So, Yes, it was really fun. I didn't know I would intentionally hit, hit those hymns, but they're favorites of mine, so good. they came to the top. Did you,
0: I might have asked this, do you have a favorite hymn?
1: Oh, that that would be. Uh, oh, how great that. Yeah, how right? great the art, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yep, that's a good one. I like that one too. Um, okay, so some questions. Uh, forgiveness. I, I was listening to some stuff about forgiveness, and the person talking about it, I can't remember exactly who it was, but like you know, Christians, you know, they're like the people who say that they're good at forgiveness, generally don't understand, don't really understand what it is or how the right way to do it. You're just like, oh, well, I won't let that bother me. I forgive that person. But what what we're told in the Bible is actually something a little bit different, isn't it?
1: Right, and it would model more God's forgiveness, which is hard for us as humans to really do, to forgive on the same level that God does, when you consider that uh, he can take away all our, our sin, forgive all of our sins, mm-hmm. means uh, basically take away all the ramifications spiritually, of our sins, and we have a hard time doing that. So when we come to Matthew 5 and we see Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount about forgiveness, uh, he's, uh, you know, they whack you on one cheek, you turn the other, and you they whack that one, you go second mile. You know, he, he has that piece that says, you know, you don't let those things bother the individual. Then he adds to that, uh, forgive, as God has forgiven you when you come to chapter 6 and the the Lord's Prayer uh, forgive those who transgress against you
0: mm-hmm.
1: as God has forgiven you whoa yeah so that forgiveness piece starts to get complicated if it only has to do with things if it really is forgiveness it goes deeper than the guy who Drove across your yard because he couldn't see his driveway, that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, how how do you start forgiving the person for their motives and what started them down that path to begin mm-hmm. with?
0: See, I don't, I don't have a hard time with that, um, and this is kind of what the guy was talking. I think it was Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah, but he was just reading from the Bible, and I, is that it's not necessarily about there's this added thing because it doesn't bother me you know you could continue to harm and take and I will still always treat you pretty much exactly the same right I mean if you if you know if you if you tell me that you're gonna pay me back four times and it never happens and then you're coming you're like oh I need to buy a new car now can you can you spot me a couple thousand I'm like
1: dude. dude
0: from your past I, I forgive you for not you know paying me back that's okay but I don't expect you to pay me back on this one. That's a lot for me to give you not saying that I wouldn't do it, but there's a, I don't, I wish I would have remembered where it came from, but it, there's a, there's, there's this special rebuking part that I was, that, um, was not something that I fully grasped mm. where there is, I mean, is there supposed to be a, a level of, you know, rebuking that happens? Like, you know, th- I forgive you but what you did was wrong. Is that important?
1: Oh, well, we're trying to not let our brother sin or allow our brother to continue to sin. Yeah. So if it's sin related, then yeah, we we need to rebuke. And uh, that would be a spiritual process. And so that then involves so what kind of authority are you moving toward your brother?
0: Yeah. But isn't isn't everything that needs forgiveness sin related? It really is. Yeah. So are you saying that we would have to then rebuke everything that we would need
1: to forgive from someone? Well, let's go to chapter 7. So, uh, because this is part of it. Okay. Do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Here's the piece that I'm, I'm trying to get towards, but it needs that prologue. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me let take the speck from your eye. When all the same time you have a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, what Christ is saying, and it's really a solid psychological precept, is the fact that the things that bug us Mm -hmm. about someone else is likely equally present, maybe even more so in our own lives. So when we start talking about sin between us, then if I notice that you're doing something that I don't like, the first piece that the Christian needs to do is inspect their own lives. Yeah and say okay so i don't like when you do that alex but in reality i do the same way maybe a little different maybe a little different atmosphere so that when i come to forgive you or work with your sin yeah i've gone through the process of self-analysis and saying okay that's also in my life yeah the second piece of what that does and i believe it's in first corinthians chapter one it talks about us going through things in such a way that we can help others with it. And that's the bottom line of our Christian experiences. We need to be aware of our own lives in such a way in light of who Christ is because he's allowed us the perfect example to reflect on that we then can live into the lives of others. Yeah. And be profitable in it. I mean not that we profit but we actually can figure out hey, I've dealt with this in my life and Christ helped me be successful. Now I can, I can hear what you're saying. Yeah. I can resonate with your experience. Okay. And then you get farther.
0: So it's not necessarily letting people continue to sin against you and you forgive them each time. There has to be that for true forgiveness, the way that we're asked for it, they are asked to do is that we have to be able to guide them or at least have or understand what is what is it that you are forgiving right and understanding so like if i always leave my clothes next to the hamper and i always tell my wife i'm sorry that i'm a, a messy person and she's better at you know being uh she's more emotionally developed or emotionally in tuned than i am she's like i know that you know you want to just leave it there for me to deal with but I don't, it makes me feel like this, when you constantly don't put your clothes away or put your clothes there, and then I have to take care of it. So she's addressing that, rebuking that, like, you are not caring about my feelings or what I'm doing, and you're yet you're continue to just leave your clothes strewn and strung about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I, I'm not good at that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a messy boy, I know that, so. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting because yeah i I, i've always just gone through life being like you know thanks god i'm really good at forgiveness it's one of those things that's super easy for me you know why would you let why would you let anyone make you mad and torment you internally by harboring this hate or, or thinking about what they've done to wrong you for so long yeah instead of but then there's i always just felt like that rebuking thing is kind of one of those things that turn people away from the church or the christians is because they're like well that's what you're doing wrong you're doing this wrong and this wrong and some people don't well no one likes to look inward like that do they but right
1: but it does change the conversation and the tone of how you say it Mm -hmm. because if you've done the internal work and said you know that's present in my own life i work through that and then i've got these okay i know what it is like to go through addiction because Mm -hmm. i've worked at addiction and so you know how to To talk about it and you have some sensitivity to it however if you go at it and says thou shalt not right then yeah that kind of rebuke really doesn't go very far
0: developing that first developing that relationship is really important too so that they know that you're coming at it from a place of love but sometimes it's not some like how would you do that like you have a close friend let's say and there's always this thing that kind of bothers you each time that, that there's a situation that happens each time and you, you know, you always do forgive them. You never hold it against them. You still want to hang out with them. You have fun with them, but you don't want that to happen anymore. How would you kind of soften something that you've soften a issue like that? Would you just come out at it cold? Did that make sense?
1: Yeah. Once I had a parishioner one time that didn't want me to know that he smoked. Okay. He really didn't want me to know. Uh. He thought it would affect our relationship. I think, and uh, we were working together at the church one day, and and uh, I, I could tell he was getting that that jumpy feeling that you get as a uh, when you're addicted to nicotine and not getting it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, Floyd, I, I know you smoke. I love you. Go on out back to church and take care of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we we were such dear friends, and it actually my acknowledging it i think allowed us to be closer yeah at that at the same time you know i i don't approve of smoking i don't think it's something we ought to be doing Mm -mm. but uh, i loved my brother more than his habit
0: yeah was he ever able to make way with that or make improvements with that
1: no he actually passed away about eight years later from it from yeah
0: that's a tough one um yeah i chewed for a long time then i switched to like nicotine pouches Mm. which i still do and it's not something i necessarily hide but it's easy to hide it but it's not i'm still i get that though I'm, i'm ashamed of it i don't want you know you don't want your kids to pick up on these like they say, like addiction kind of runs in, you know, genetic stuff. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I mean, it does look like there's a little bit to it, but it could just be that they're picking up on your behavior.
1: It, it could be, yeah. There's some emotional uh, stakes that are driven in that addiction becomes a uh, crutch, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. I, I another question. Um, comes from the book of James right off the bat. Hmm. He writes this letter to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. I was doing a Bible study with some friends Monday night, and we noticed uh, um, that that dispersion is capitalized. And we were kind of wondering, what is the origin of that? And what's, what do you know?
1: Well, it's not so much a singular event, although it was in a way when, when the uh, Babylonian exile, the Assyrian exiles came through. They basically, uh, well, there was no longer the same country of Israel and Judah as there was before that. And basically, those kind of uh, events caused people to leave.
0: Okay. That's where that word
1: comes from, right. dispersion? Before okay. that, you know, it was the littler countries were swallowed up in the bigger. So you ended up with Judah and Israel. Yeah. And then over the course of time, then those dispersed as well because they no longer had their leader okay in the same way
0: so it wasn't like a we're all christians here but we're going to disperse and do a mission it was a
1: no when james is talking about that now we need to remember the the concept is james is the first book of the new testament written Mm -hmm. and so it's early very early because james was soon killed uh so he's he's basically coming at christian faith from a jewish mindset and seeking that all the Jews know Jesus, and so it has a much more Jewish taste to it. Okay, the book of James, and probably as you approach the the book, you need to approach it with that mindset that, that James is a Jew, and he's writing to Jews about this Jesus. And then, what does it mean to be a law-abiding Jew and now a Christian? That's why so many of his teachings in, in the book of he, uh, James is, is are so basic to us. I yeah. mean, I find it very useful material to talk about things like temptation and sin. I mean, we need to talk about that. And uh, then how do you deal with that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like, yeah, that, even just like the very first part on there that talks about, you know, the fruitfulness that can come from temptations, beating that. Beating that temptation gives you a lot of. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember what the word even was that they use. I know it's different in each, each translation.
1: Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when yes. you endure trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. perseverance. And perseverance, when it's finished its work, leaves you mature and complete, not lacking
0: anything. Mm-hmm. That's NIV. Yep that's one of the best things yeah you, you when you actually beat a temptation and conquer that thing that's one of the i mean that's one of the most joy you can get from something that you can do just yourself to make yourself better yeah and then coming and asking for knowledge to god that's one of the for a long time i prayed god i would like this to happen but if it be your will Like, you know, please heal this person if it is your will. And I kind of felt that there was a little bit of then doubt in there that I'm throwing, you know, if it be your will. But later someone's like, well, that's not necessarily what you're saying. It's it's more of like, you know, even if you don't, Mm -hmm. I understand because I know that what you're doing is whatever you choose to do is for your works, not for my desires. So... But, yeah, having getting rid of that doubt when asking for knowledge or asking for something is, I've seen to be very powerful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for that. Basically says, you know, we're not going to bow and worship you. And even if God doesn't deliver us, we're going to worship him. We're not going to bow down and worship mm-hmm. you. So throw us in the fire. Yeah. And God delivered them.
0: Mm-hmm. No doubt there. No doubt there. Yeah, that's powerful. Um. Okay, a couple of, uh, okay, I got one, would you rather, but I'll ask this one first. Gambling, making bets with people. We're, we're told not to gamble, right? And uh, because it can be an addictive thing, but besides from that, like, what if it's just like, what if we're making a bet and whichever one of us loses has to grow a mullet or has to grow, or, you know, has to grow out some real thick mutton chop sideburns. Is that gambling? I'm not leading you into a bet. But. No, I was going to say <laughs> where we're we headed here, Alex. You say yes, yeah, so I'm like, okay, good, um, I no bet bo- you. Yeah,
1: we're not going to shave. No, we're not doing that, not going bald. Um, the wagers have always been a part of who we are as human beings, you know, where we're always doing some kind of wager, it seems sure. like. And sometimes we even bargain with God a little bit. Yeah. I don't know whether you end up with doing that, but sometimes I say, well, you know, Lord, if I, if. The, the thing that, uh, uh, how do we move people forward? I mean, basically we're talking about loyalties. So, okay, you want to wage something. You want to bet something. OK, so you say you bet your Chevy goes faster than my Toyota okay. or something like that. And you want to do a mullet from that or anyway, uh, we're always trying to prove ourselves. Yeah. And I think sometimes making wagers is saying prove ourselves. OK. And uh, I don't see a scriptural spot for it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I mean, that's also in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, anything beyond that is sin so did I get out of the mullet
0: sure so they're talking about strictly gambling Then, maybe well I mean there's a difference between like going to a casino so then is it just like your odds
1: well but that makes a gambling okay Alex let's flip that you're a farmer yeah you take a gamble every year every year you put so much in the ground and pray that the Lord will bless that harvest Mm -hmm. so in some concepts Given the uh, the uh, fluctuation of markets and, of course, the weather and things like that, those variables of your gamble will be proven in the harvest. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as you take it to market then those variables are another set of gambles. Uh, if you use the word gamble, life is a gamble. Yeah. And we're trying to do that every day. That's true. So is gambling a sin? I think it depends on what you're wagering.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to the casino every night, uh, there's a, there's a comedian, actually, he just recently died. He was talking about, uh, um, and he a Christian, but he wasn't, definitely wasn't like a clean comic most of the times or anything like that, but he's like talking about addictions. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got, you know, go to Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, it's supposed to be anonymous, yet yeah, you meet in a church basement and tell everyone your first name, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then you know, but it's a it's a disease. You know, oh what what, what disease? Yo, you got cancer? Oh yeah, I got a disease. I, I I drink. I like to get happy. And then he's like, oh yeah. And then I also you know I've got a uh, like to gamble. I've got I'm a disease. I'm a gambling addict. But it's the best one to have because it's the only one where you get to win a bunch of money. Yeah. 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 And we know that that you know you you look at the payouts from the casinos. That's they're still making quite a bit of money. And if that's destroying your family,
1: you know, hurting
0: that livelihood.
1: Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm finding that, and I guess I'd go back to chapter seven, Matthew. I think Jesus is the best psychologist there ever was as well as the best teacher and and preacher. Uh, Usually when we go into the addictive kind of behaviors, Mm -hmm. they're compensating to try to bring us some assurity out of a world that's unsure and oh yeah and so we use addictions to take care of Mm -hmm. those things uh it's a crutch and uh i find that addictions in my own life are trying to compensate for some place i don't feel solid and comfortable and so i
0: yeah there's a lot of ways to trick yourself into them too rationalize them in your head rationalize them yeah this is creating a good uh, structure, or this is creating a good habit. I like the way that things play out when I do this every day,
1: and I feel good. Yes. Mhm. So a lot of addictions to drugs and things, even even prescription yeah. drugs, can be used that way. It, it makes me feel good.
0: Mhm. a lot of it's like growing up is just learning. Like that's the biggest thing you got to learn is just that uh, delayed satisfaction with something. Yeah, it might take you a month to. Kick this habit or that habit, but that satisfaction you get from doing it—I mean, not not just like, let's say, smoking or something. The money you save, but the the joy in your heart, the good that it brings your soul to have kicked that temptation.
1: That's why, in the midst of that conversation, I'd like to believe, and I'd like to pre—I preach that the gospel. Is Jesus bringing shalom to people's lives because if anybody knows what you and I need to make us whole to make us feel worthwhile God does and he most fully revealed that through his son Jesus Christ so I find that in counseling so many times when we come to a better understanding of who Jesus is and why God sent him then we can understand a loving God that fills all those gaps that we're trying to addict it, that we uh, try to fill in other ways.
0: Yeah. My mom always used or she used to say this. She has since forgotten that she ever said it, but it has been a really important thing in my life. Not that I followed it every time, because who listens to everything their mom says, you know, but uh, don't tell her I said that. Um, She'll hear it. Yeah. everything in moderation except love and forgiveness. And I've always tried to find different things that also shouldn't be in moderation or things that, you know, even forgiveness, should that always be in moder or never be in moderation and be plentiful. But as of yet, I've had a hard time fitting more things into that. So, yeah. Okay. Would you rather have a... Mohawk, ponytail, or a mullet for a year? Mullet's coming back.
1: I know. I'd probably go to the mullet. That's more my era. Oh, uh,
0: I bet. Oh, yeah. You'd probably get a lot of respect from that. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll then choose. We'll then choose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I would enjoy it. The yeah. preacher with the mullet. There Come you go. this church, dude. We got a preacher who's got a mullet. You know, it's going to be a yeah. good time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well well then how about a ponytail or a mohawk then?
1: I'd have to go with a ponytail. Okay. (laughs) Whether I'd like it or not.
0: Yep. Yeah. I like that. Good. All right. Well thanks, Don. Have a good week. (laughs) Thank you, Alex. (laughs) We
1: look forward to next week.
0: (laughs) Yes we do.